Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're discussing Babylon's Ashes by James S.A. Corey. This is book, what, four or five? Six. 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 Book six. My word. I keep getting it mixed up, too. Yeah, in the, well, it's part of the Expanse series. That's and, right. And um, what do we got going on in this this one? We got the, the universe is kind of... Uh, recovering from the attack on Earth. Yeah, well, not not really yet. I mean, we're still kind of in the throes of that. It's the aftermath. The of aftermath. It. Yeah. And uh, but we still have um, we still have the maniacal. Uh, um, I want to say Marcus. It's not his name. Naomi's ex lover. Yeah, ex lover. He she, he's still running around the universe mm-hmm. with Philip and uh, that crew. So the free navy's out there, right? Yeah, and there's a bit yeah. of there's a bit of. Um, Growing dissent amongst the Free Navy. Yes, to, we have, we, we have some turncoats running around, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and they're still uh, throwing they're still throwing rocks at Earth. But uh, the UN Navy has learned how to shoot some of those down. Right, right. right. And uh, the slow zone's been taken over by the Free Navy. Yes, um, and uh, James Holden's kind of out there in the midst of it with uh, Rosinante, just kind of. When is James Holden not in the midst of it? That's true. I mean. That's true. If something's happening in the universe, James Holden's there. He's sided himself with Mars and Earth. Um, But he's not anti-Belter. He's just anti-terrorism. Right. At this point. So he wants to kind of show that everyone is a person. He starts to pick up that uh, people don't see the opposite side as people. They see him as them. I thought for me, when I read the, so I read this book, this is the second time through the book. And um, this for me was one of the most powerful things that I yanked out of this book was that continue the message that it's easy to just to humanize someone when I think about our own world, right? Yeah. Someone does, you know, there's a terrorist attack and suddenly like all Arabs are all Spanish people, are all Russians, or whatever it is, yeah. whatever people group you can label. But if you really sit down and you get to know their story, it's much harder to have that sort of callous um, label that we put on people. Right, right. Yeah. And I thought that that was, for me, resounded again and again as I read through this book. So that's basically the the setup for the book, um, and then we just kind of enter into um, trying to muddle our way through this political devastation. The, what's going to happen? Who's going to get what area? Who's going to control what? You know, who's going to work with who? That type of thing. And what what about those planets on the other side of the gates? What's up with them? Are they going to get any help or no? Yeah. So. Well, and the book really is a setup for the uh, final three books. Right. There's, there's also the mystery of the missing ships. Um, yes, which um, isn't really addressed 
no. here. They figure out what makes them go away, but not why. To a degree, they figure it out. Yeah. How Mr. Mr. Rita Head knows a little bit more. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, my word. So, yeah. So, let's see. Are we going to get any rants from the Rat Master this time? Not on this book. Not on this book? No rants? I, 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 I had a good time. I mean, it took me a while to get there. No rants? No rants. No well, rants. Well, so gosh darn it. Well, that was a great show, guys. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you I'm next time. <laughs> Done. Uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> so, you know, we're looking at uh, the first thing is the overall impressions and thoughts of the book. And I want to throw this out here, maybe from the get go. Oh. We're six books in. How do you feel about this book when you line it up against the prior five? For you. And I know it's a bit difficult because I think each book has its own richness. I think in general, we really have enjoyed all these books. Yeah. How did you feel about this book? Or maybe you can't. Maybe you can't because it's all one continuous story. Maybe you can't do that. I liked it. I, I mean, I mean I, comparative, comparative to the other ones, I thought it was really solid. I just It just felt like a real good continuation of especially the last book. The only well, and it was. They functioned almost like a two-part. Yeah. And the only book that I think out of the six that we've read that I not disliked, but but liked less than the other ones was, I think, four. The one they were stuck in the planet? The one they were stuck on the planet. Yeah. yeah. that's And that was only because they were stuck on the planet. On the, on the planet. Um, they weren't all stuck in the but they were stuck on or around the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason um, that one bugged me. But- I mean, I think it's just as good and, and solid as, as the previous ones. Um, although now we're definitely into territory where it's like you have to have read prior stuff to really enjoy right. what's going on. Right. Yeah. You can't just hand this one and say, okay, um, yeah, figure it all out. I mean, you can, but it's just not going to be as good. It's enjoyable. not going to be as good, yeah. Jim, how about you? Uh, where do you? How does this book feel to you when you look back at the past five that we've read? Well, this, this felt like a pivotal a uh, moment in in the series where after the devastation of earth and marco enaros uh creating his his new navy and things like this everything is is in flux and nothing is really settled and what this one felt like to me was kind of trying to sort things out a little bit and make sure we know who's on whose side and uh to get rid of get rid of a few problems here and there yeah because i think where we're headed and mr Rita Head can confirm or deny this or or do neither one is we're going to start expanding out through the gate and into other worlds i think so but you have the you have the medina station now the the center of the of the gate has now been armed and taken over uh, by um, the Inaros group, right? At least at the beginning of this book. Yeah. Right. Fred Johnson is out of the way. Yes, poor um, man. <laughs> more ways than more ways than Yeah, literally yeah. out of the way. Yeah. That was that was really kind of sad. And Holden is trying to become what uh, Fred wanted to be but never could be and there's also prax in the mix which is uh which uh for me a fascinating character in this book because uh 
her growth and, in a sense, being thrown into being the head of the shipping conglomerate is, yeah. uh, excuse me, the navigators, um, <laughs> <laughs> the head of the navigation guild. The um, this is uh, she was fascinating for me, just seeing the yeah. growth in the transfer. And, so, yeah. And then we have the repatriation of the United Nations government back to Earth from the moon. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but, you know, and then the, the gesture that Avasalara made by saving Holden's parents, even though she has no idea where her own husband is. Yes. Right. Right. Coming to terms, not so, coming around. Yeah, perhaps. Anymore. Yeah. And, oh, and... Should I also mention that Bobby becomes a member of the crew, or she is at least thinking about it? I, th and, I think um, she's pretty well. Yeah, I think they call her, and so is Cassandra. Yeah, yeah. By the end, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think these are all core things because they play into the uh, future of the series, book seven, eight. I'm assuming. Um, you meant Clarissa, right? I did. I'm sorry. I said Cassandra. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was there Cassandra yeah, peaches. in it? I don't know. I just, Clarissa is what I meant. Sorry Sounds about that. Sounds pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I believe you know, it. So, uh, book six for me, I asked you the question, and, and uh, you know, for me, I agree this is kind of a pivotal book. We're kind of, at the end, it's clear that there is a shift. Um, we were looking beyond the gates in part. Um, we're still, there's a little bit of mystery about what happens to ships that disappears. That's certainly going to be explored further, um, and you can at least uh, you know they aren't finished with that story arc because they haven't really. It's still a mystery. They know how they can get. They know how they can get ships to disappear, but it does still seem kind of random. Yeah, and so I think there's a part of that. So uh, for me, I really enjoyed this book. I was mentioning to you guys earlier that I enjoyed all the literary references. I don't know if I'll pull out of them out, but I know there was some to. There was some to some Tennyson. Um, there was uh, there were there were there were references to like Star Wars and other things. Um, um, like the one ship's called the Endor or something like that. And there's just uh, different things like mm. that that were kind of neat to see them pulling in some other references that um, felt like they either some other either illusions. that or the author either that or the authors are getting a little punchy. <laughs> Maybe that might be punchy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so those are, our, that's my thoughts. So I really enjoyed reading this book again, and uh, I look forward to continuing the uh, series as we uh, work our way down through. I got to say, it's getting harder and harder to not watch the TV show. See, I still am not, <laughs> I'm still not uh, married to it, but. I haven't watched it yet. And I'm just and like, I kind of want to finish with the books. Jim, are you up? You are you up in? The, I, I know you watched the TV show. Are you up to date on the TV show? Uh, I have uh, actually watched all three seasons okay. a couple of times now. But isn't it? I thought they were and on to season I'll, five. Am I wrong on that? Uh, I think they're only up to three. Okay, I think there's only three seasons. All right, well. So you don't have too far to go. Yeah. And they aren't like 24 episodes in the season. Right. I just, it's like I have pictures of these characters in my head. That was my biggest issue. Because <laughs> I watched it, I'm like, mm, nope, that is not Amos. No, that, that's not Holden. You know, yeah. that's not Naomi. And, uh, yeah, you, you have, you're right. You have yeah. these pictures. 
The only yeah, one there's I- three three seasons. Yeah. There's three seasons and uh thirty six episodes in total, and there was just an announcement I saw from uh Amazon that the fourth season is is on its way. Yep. The only one that I know will fit exactly right is Avasarla. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I know that actress. And they they it. and they inter- they unlike James S. A. Corey, they introduce her in the first episode. Oh, really? So they move that out. Yeah. They move that out a little bit. She's introduced quite early. I I really like that television series. I mean, that is hard sci-fi and good sci-fi. No. And and I'll tell you what, <laughs> uh, you say Avasarala, yeah, they, they picked a great actress for that, but Miller is, is spot on too. Oh yes. Miller is spot on. Oh, now I'd watched the, you know, I mean, I, I, before I'd read the book, I'd watched a few episodes. And so when I saw Miller, I pictured him. In fact, I was going to say about this book, the only thing that I'm missing in this book is Miller. Mm. And in the last book too, I yeah. mean, there's no references really to that. I, I do miss that character. Uh, I yeah. wish he was back. I wish he didn't kill him off. Yeah. Don't worry. He'll be and back. Even though. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that. Mr. Read Ahead. Read I, the book. I, it's I, not even done. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And as far as the TV series is concerned, even though Bobby is not how she is described in the book, that little girl that plays Bobby is is uh, amazing, too. I really like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to check it out. I I tell you what I I endorse that uh, series one hundred percent all the way. It's the loot master stamp of approval. There you go. Absolutely. Playing a playing a playing a <laughs> playing. Yeah. He's writing a song about it right now. Plingity pling. Oh, where do we want to go? Do you want to talk a little bit about? Uh, we typically go through like characters, places, and things. Fair points of plot. How do you want to tackle it this time? Well, I suppose we could just go ahead and start with characters. Uh, there is, of course, James Holden and his crew, his regular crew, and then he has two additions now. Um, Clarissa, Clarissa Mayo, who Amos uh, refers to as Peaches. That's right. and Great name for yes, him, by the way. And, Peaches. Yeah. And Bobby who has been offered a position, a permanent position on the crew, uh, but but she's not too sure about that. I think, I think, I think, I felt like she accepted. Well, you know, I think part of her is she's joining a crew. These guys have been together forever. I think this is part of the, yeah. the uh, you know, her struggle with it. Yeah. But she's also been offered a position of being a Martian ambassador. Right. So it, you know, would that be a conflict of interest for her to serve on the ship? I thought she turned that down. No. Yeah. Maybe I forget. Mm. I thought that was pretty early (laughs) on. And she was like, no, I, I, okay. Well, it could be, but, uh, the other person on the ship that really, stands out as Naomi in this in this particular book. Well, and, and really, in a lot of ways, the last book was the story of Naomi. You found an incredible amount of backstory, really in all the characters, right. for that matter, in that book. And so this is like almost book six is really a continuation of exploring the depth of Naomi and her struggles and the fact that there's her son 
who ironically at the end of the novel, she thinks her son is dead because she assumes that he's on the ship with her, with Marco uh, and mm-hmm. he's not. And so well, really compare. Well, and then, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and then Philip's attudes are changing a little bit also. Absolutely. Because kind of you know, rebelling against uh, his old man. He treated, he treated Naomi badly. Oh yeah. In the last book, very badly in the ba- last book and, and knew that uh, she was his mother, but he, he's kind of doing a little bit of a turnaround now and uh, seeing his mother as more of a hero and Marco is becoming more of a villain to him. Yeah, and you see that really clearly at the end when he changes his name to from uh, Philip Anaros to uh, Philip um, Nagata. Yeah, and that's uh, that, that's probably the biggest honor that he can pay his mother. Now he still thinks she's dead. No, she knows he's not dead. He knows she uh, thinks he's dead. He knows she's not dead. I thought he yeah. still thought she she killed herself. No, because that's she- re- that's revealed to him. Everyone in the ship knows, but he doesn't. And then suddenly the wolves pull away and uh, people tell him. Okay. And he's, you know, he's kind of pissed at everyone else for not telling him, but that she's alive. Yeah. Uh, I really felt like compared to the last book, Amos and Alex and even a little bit of Naomi took a real backseat. And not that they're not there or talked about or whatever, but it was... Definitely a lot more Holden, a lot more Bobby. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, one of the on. things I was thinking about as we were sitting here talking about these characters is the fight when they when they take out that ship that's hidden uh, and they identify, like, who's shooting rocks at Earth and they go to take the ship out and the ship kind of locks onto them and they go to, like, sever it. Yeah. And the, the person that stands out in that fight, because Bobby, of course, is jammed in the tube somewhere, it is as peaches. I mean, they kind of focus on her in the fight yeah. and how she's handling it. Um, and there's a sense where you get to see her in a sense, almost redeeming herself in some way. Oh yeah. There's a little bit of redemption going on through that. And, and Holden kind of, I mean, it's interesting. Colden's coming to grip with this killer that's now on a ship, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and how, and, and how do you deal with that? I mean, there's 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 a, there's a real strong story in 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 Clarissa here of someone that's made a really bad decision and has killed hundreds if not thousands of people and and even attempted to take Holden's life yeah. and has hurt Holden's lover. You know, there's a there's a there's a lot for Holden to be holding a grudge for and. It's really his journey, his journey of how, how do I forgive this girl and how this girl goes about forgiving herself. Right. right. Well, and Clarissa realizes finally that Holden isn't the evil bastard she thought he was. Oh, yeah. Or she was led to believe he was, which sent her, uh, you know, as far as she was concerned, um, uh, Peaches, as far as she was concerned, Holden was responsible for her sister's demise. Yeah, I think that, re- but I felt like that revelation happened a few books ago. Yeah, that was that was book three. When yeah, we but, saw that. But well, yeah, but, but now she's she's 
Holden, she's come around to understand what Holden's about, and now Holden is being able to see what she's about, right. especially when her and Amos go out on the ship and fight off uh, the attack, and she takes five bullets and almost dies for it. Yeah. I think for what I got, the impression I got for Holden was less that she was a, she had done all that stuff to other people because he kept referencing how, you know, like Amos kills people all the time and it's not a problem, but it was that she had been after him and Naomi yeah, and threatened them specifically that made the difference. But then Naomi points out how at the end of this book, he makes a comment about what are they all going to do or what are they going to say or whatever. And Clarissa asks a question like, what about me? And he's like, well, you'll just do this or whatever along with them. Not even in his, the way that he acts. He doesn't even question whether or not he was going to be there. Yeah. It was just like, oh, well, you're going to do this other thing. It's this kind of acceptance. Right. right. And and she points out that like, it wasn't just a big deal that, that, she asked and he accepted it's that she asked and he hadn't even thought about if she needed to ask. Right. Uh, well, you know, and I was thinking just back to that fight we were referencing, one of the best moments of that fight is when she thinks she's a goner, she's floating away and she's grabbed by Holden mm -hmm. who kind of embraces her and says, we got you. Yeah. And it's kind of this, in a sense, it's symbolic. It's, it's a symbolic thing where, you know, it's almost like a safety thing and it's yeah. like a bringing her into the ship symbolically. Like we got you. I'm not, we're not mm -hmm. going to abandon you out here. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So all the misunderstandings have been cleared up and Clarissa now has a place. Right? Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I'm kind of, I'm glad she does because I like her character. I do too. <laughs> um, and really it starts in the last book when her and Amos are really traveling through the United States, trying to get to Baltimore and get off, you know, that, that was so cool. Yeah. That was, that was, that was one of my favorite storylines of that book. So, but so how about Marco? Uh, the guy's a bastard. I'm glad. Yeah. He's, I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's Adams. Yeah. You know what? He's wrapped, ramped up his bastardism in this book. Well, and it's not just toward other people. It's like toward his own son now. You kind of see how much he's jerky, jerk being jerky and patronizing him. And, and they really well, should. not only that, not only that, but he becomes arrogant as hell. I mean, he just really thinks he is amazing. Well, you get you to know, see him through, uh, and Naomi explains this to us in the last book, but it's here that we really begin to see it where no matter what happens and no matter how much they lose, he always paints it as being part of the plan. Right. And so he's always twisting stuff. Oh, yeah, well, that's just part of the plan. And if this happens, then this is also still part of the plan. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. you, see, you really see be that begin to disintegrate. But he's not a mastermind. He just grabs at whatever he can to move forward. Right. And there is a mastermind. He's an opportunist. And there's a, yeah. there is a mastermind behind it. But it's not him. It's not him. Yeah. And they reference, they reference, they reference the mastermind. They don't identify him though, do they? Um, well, remember the guy. So let's go back. Um, 
We might have to go back to the last book. The guy that was in charge of the Martian Navy before um, the rocks hit Earth. Remember that Amos goes there and and visits his, his ex-wife. Not Amos. Yeah, Alex. Was Alex. Sorry, Alex was his ex-wife. Hooks up with Bobby. Not literally, but they get together. And they then they go visit the Navy. And there's the guy that's in charge of the Navy. Yeah. Um. So and then they so suddenly he disappears with a bunch of Martian ships. Yeah. So and they kind of allude that there's something else going on. That storyline's still kind of unresolved. I thought they disappeared in the gate. Yes. Okay, but they, I didn't think they made it through. I thought. They but they reference they, they atomized re- at the end. They did not. Oh, okay. Not not them, um, and certainly not him. Okay. And they reference it when they're on, um, what's the ship that's covering all the gates? What's the name of that? I just can't remember right now. Covering the Medina gates? Station. Medina Station. Medina Station. They reference this this man there as being kind of in control of everything. Because uh, is there, is, is it Lucinda, whatever world they're on? I can't remember. Do you remember, Jim? No, I don't. Yeah. I, I remember now that what who you're talking about. Yeah. I just, I, for some reason, I thought he was the guy that was on the ship at the end of the book yeah. that got disintegrated. And he's not. They reference him here again. And the only ship disintegrated here is the uh, is Marker's ship. I meant at the end of book five. five. Yeah. Well, he's still this guy's still around in this book, but you just don't see him. But he's still not that that still that storyline's not resolved. Right. And they right. kind of hint and know it at the end, but okay. Yeah. We talked about Philippe. What about Michiopa? Her and her family of eight. I thought it was really interesting to get, like, you, they've talked about the group marriages a couple times, but to, like, quote unquote, live in one for a little bit. Yeah. Was really interesting. Yeah, this contractual marriage is kind of interesting. Yeah. Also, interesting as you, as she's their captain, but also their wife right and putting on the different hats was kind of interesting to watch going going back and forth yeah i like michio pa and i like she's a she's a uh, woman of conscience that seems to be that becomes disenchanted with marcos perhaps the uh one of the earliest people to make a break for it yeah and um and she's one of the only people out there thinking about future yeah and like the the guy, who, I forget his name, the guy who um, she goes to that explains that, like, we've already missed our opportunity. We have a year and a half left of food. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah, like, if we don't, <laughs> even if we start now, we'll never really catch up. But it's right. going to take a lot of work. Right. Well, uh, uh, Prax might have a solution to that. Yeah, I think that they just, like, they laid the groundwork for that story, but it didn't really pan out yet. Uh, well, yeah, um, no, because we don't see the production of food. But it's interesting. We we met Prax before because right. it was his his daughter, his daughter that was uh, kidnapped in book uh, two. Was it? Yeah, I think it was two. Book two. Mm-hmm. And so to see them back in, it was interesting to see that character and kind of revisit him again, and uh, yeah, and to see him kind of do shady stuff. Oh, let me just put this private file in the public server. And I don't know how it got there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then suddenly provide a solution for uh, food and earth. And it was like proto molecule edited food or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 
And Seems I, ominous to me. That was yeah, it does, but it was kind of fascinating. Um, it didn't. His storyline was minor compared to the entire story, in my opinion. But oh yeah, very very minor. But it was interesting to bring him in. I feel like he'll play into this book, or at least what he's done will. Yeah, pretty easily. And what you're talking about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I did like seeing that he had like found a family, right? And his life had moved on. It's, right, right. That was pretty. So yeah, very. Well, Christian Avasaro continues to be a wonderful character. No, I never get tired of her. No, it's just her snarkiness. No, she's. But she's the best. <laughs> you could do a whole book about her, and I'd be happy. <laughs> so far, none of the short stories have focused on her, though. Really, I read. I read most of them, just because I'm a completionist. I love them all, but that's not one that it. Huh. Uh, they're saving it. Okay. They're saving it. Maybe that'll that'll come down a little bit. <laughs> but I do. So, like, are you recommending the the short other stories? Titles? Yeah. So the short yeah. stories. Um, one of them follows Amos uh, with his caretaker. They address it. Um, they mention it in the last book. Forget her name, but the, the but the woman that took care of him that he went. Remember, he went to Earth to visit her because she had died, and he was suspicious of that. Oh yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. a story of kind of how it's a story of that relationship and how he actually got off Earth and how he got the name Amos Burton. Right. Because that's uh-huh. not that's not his real. He name. took that from someone, right? Yeah. 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 That's not his real name. So it's, it's that story. And then there's another one of Bobby and the drug trade on Mars. And it deals with her after um, it's set after the events of book three. And so she's kind of just in limbo. Um, and then uh, one of the other one deals with um Something that'll come up in the future books that I won't mention because it will spoil it. Oh, okay. So, wow, self control, so, bravo. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> so there's at least there's three <laughs> or four. And I, I, I might be missing one in there, but I've enjoyed. Well, them. there are, there is one a novella called The Churn. Yes. There's a novella called uh, The Churn. The, the Vital. Ch- the Churn's about the one about uh, Amos. Okay. And, uh, there's the Vital Abyss. Yes, and I think that that's the one. I think that's the one about Bobby. Okay, a short story called "The Butcher of Anderson Station." Oh yes, Got another that. short story called "Gods of Risk." Yes, and that's one I can't uh, tell you. About. A, an, yeah, an online short story called "Drive," which I haven't read because it's not an audiobook. Okay, <laughs> and uh. A novella called Strange Dogs. Strange Dogs. Yeah, that's the one I can't, definitely can't tell you that. That's the one that's playing okay. in the future. But. And then there's a short story called The Last Flight of the Cassandra. Oh, okay. There you go. So those are those are above and beyond what. Uh, yeah. They kind of the fill novel. in they kind of fill in gaps, but they don't really they don't they aren't like you could not read them and be okay. Yeah. You know, it's not like that, but Trek shorts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on that. No, we won't. We won't. That's for another show. <laughs> I, I watched. I watched both of those last night while I was waiting for Chrissy to get back from a marching band competition. And yeah, I, I the, the there was one I really really liked, but <laughs> but this is not no. the short treks podcast. That's right. <laughs> so it's let's not. so let's talk about uh we have two other characters on the list that we haven't mentioned that that is uh namono and anna mm-hmm. so let's talk about let's talk about these first so tell me a little bit about jim what were you thinking about regarding namono well it's kind of a a bookend uh namono is out getting food um so obviously she is a refugee her and anna and their child, right, uh, who has unfortunately uh, been injured. Mm. She's been her leg has been injured. I guess. No, that's Anna, Anna, Anna's leg. Oh no, I'm injured. sorry, Anna's leg Anna's was badly wounded. Yeah. Um. So you know, uh, we start out with this, and then we end with uh, with Anna. And everybody leaving, don't we? Um, they get on a ship called the Abbey, heading to Eudora, Eudo, Eudosia, or something like that. Right. It's one of the new planets. Right. right. So you know, the, apparently, they have had enough of of all the stuff that's going on right in in this galaxy and they're going to go somewhere else and try to start a new life right and what's fascinating is you know we haven't we haven't seen anna since book three really right and so it's been it's 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 neat to kind of see them drop it in here's what these characters are doing and it also lets you know that don't forget about these somehow these will come in i really like down the line well, Mr. Read Ahead, is that an accurate? Well, so as far as I can recall from book seven and eight, Anna does not appear, which means there's a good chance we'll be seeing her in book nine, and I have not read book nine yet. Only because it's not been written yet. Yeah, because if it were, if we're out, I would have read it. So. <laughs> but no, it's not. And I, um, I'm assuming that Anna, I'm assuming what we're going to have in book nine is kind of a meeting of some of our core characters over the course of this book will somehow yeah. come in for a skateboarding competition. Maybe. Exactly. Once, once on his leg gets uh, healed. That's right. Yeah. Don't, don't count. She's going to have some sick moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, what were some of your? We can talk about plays and things. But why don't we talk also about maybe some of our favorite points of plot in the story? I kind of uh, um, I, we'll probably talk about some of the places kind of as we do that. Yeah. Well, I can start. I I really liked. Um, it seems so cliche to say it, but like the end climax battle, um, of the book. I just the whole plot of putting all the little tiny things through the gate. To like, and just hoping that they can drift in and 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 be you know get goes use as a distraction, and then getting on the planet and realizing there were Martian soldiers there, 
or not the planet, the sphere. Yeah. <clears throat> and just kind of like how it didn't go as planned, but it was still pretty cool to just, to just read that, like that action sequence of them jumping around and low. She was jumping up and then pop, popping right. from, from really high. And, you can imagine this being put out into like a TV series or a movie, them doing this really right. well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, so it was written really, the action was written really cool. I liked also the, the switch perspective of the people on the station and like their perception of like, Oh, we're fine. Oh wait, no, we're not. Oh wait, we're really not fine. Right. That right. kind of thing. And at the same time you have like Naomi doing super math to figure out how to make people disappear and stuff. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it like I, I feel cliche saying like, since it's the climax, which is supposed to be the cool, right. Too cool for school part. But, um, I, that's, I really enjoyed that. I mean, other than that, I, I the, the book has a lot of great things in it, but I also really enjoyed, of course, the Clarissa battle where she goes floating off and stuff. That was right. Cool. Well, that's, I, th yeah. I think there's one of my favorite spots, but one of the other parts that I like about the book and, and um, again, we kind of alluded to this earlier on is that the, is the, is Holden's endeavor to put a face to the people of the belt. And to, and, to, and, to, and to humanize them. And he does this through these kind of human interest, almost documentaries, not really documentary, but they tell stories of them, you know, playing that game with floating balls or these musicians or someone else that raises plants or whatever it yeah. is. And the point of that was to kind of create a human face to the people that, we sometimes dehumanize. And for me, when we got to it, that was, it certainly wasn't, it wasn't anything climactic, um, but it was still good. It was something that I really enjoyed him kind of exploring. Yeah. And I think the message that comes out of it was the powerful thing for me. I really like that too, because it, it's, I'm going to compare it to a personal experience, but it's not anywhere on the same uh, moral level as to what he was doing. But it just kind of reminded me like, what I had been doing with the Lancast when I was running a, a, oh, absolutely. a human interest podcast, trying to show like the relatable side of people that you would normally see in an unrelatable position. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so very good. That's, I like that part. Jim, how about you? What were some of the uh, parts that you really liked? Uh, some of the political stuff, oh. uh, the way, the way uh, Dawes, who really he was another one of those that really thought pretty highly of himself he got he got kind of laid low yes he um, did and then Avasarala wants um Holden to become the leader of the belt after uh Fred Johnson passes away and and that was kind of a sad moment for me i didn't know exactly what to think of fred yeah, Fred. Fred, he kinda, he, Fred. Fred was a uh, yeah. You loved him and you hated him. And you aren't sure you trusted him in some of the books, but I think in the end, he, yeah. was, he was a guy just trying to do his damn job and having a yeah. not having a yeah, really good he, time at it. He grew on me, and then you know Holden. He stepped aside and said, "No, I'm not going to do this." And he calls it what he he changes the belt to a space guild or something yeah, like see, that. The navigate the navigators, <laughs> but yeah, but try to. <laughs> Try to uh, try to give them more, and he worked hard to give them more of a face 
to humanize them to Mars and Earth to show that, hey, these, these are just people who are trying to live like everybody else. Um, whether he was very successful at that, I, I think remains to be seen. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Michio Pa turns out to be running the belt now. Well, it's interesting. And it's so interesting because when they're sitting and dialoguing about it, Michio Pa is sitting there like, like fully expecting to be, you know, you know, counted as treason because I mean, she was yeah. Navy and she's everyone else in the free Navy has been held accountable and, and Holden puts her out there as being the person to run this new spacing guild. Not only that, I think she also has internal dialogue about, Oh, here we go here. They're going to put some earther or Martian in charge of us once again. Yeah. Once again, and lo and behold, it's not, it's her. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really perfect. It really is perfect. Um, although it does mm-hmm. take some of them back a little bit. I was, and I, I, you know, I think she will do a marvelous job. I yeah. think she will do. I was sad about uh, seeing um, what's his name. I just lost his name. Oh, Fred. Fred. John. Yeah. I was, I was sad about Fred. when it, when it happened. I was like, oh man, I really liked Fred. But then as the story progressed, even within the next chapter or two, in that sector, I just was like, wait a minute, this needed to happen. Like, I didn't realize how stale the characters were growing because. Well, you push you push the other characters into other positions, right? He he was basically just like uh, a general, or and it was becoming very militaristic with both him and Avasarla together. So it needed to happen to add a personal aspect back to the characters. That's my opinion, because he was just a, he was becoming a mastermind for quote unquote good, but a mastermind. Well, he always seemed to be that. Right. But I mean, really like everyone was just about like starting to kind of bow their knee to him rather than being kind of reluctant or oh, yeah. situationally it, it, it called for it. But as a story, absolutely, that, well, that kind of gets, well, Fred, Fred knew how to get things done. Right. And, uh, e- even when, when those, there were people against him and, and people fighting him, he still knew how to get things done. So, you know, uh, may you think maybe David, you think maybe he was becoming a little too powerful and he needed to kind of just go away. Uh, I don't think powerful, like as a character I felt, or like in the world, I mean, I think as a literary device, he was becoming too powerful, like he was causing the other characters to become stale and have less individuality because, Anytime a real big problem came along, it was like they just kind of would semi-defer back to him to make the choices. Big Brother Fred. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> he, you know, he was deus ex machina for, like, everything. And and instead of, you know, I think what the story usually is, is Holden kind of muddling his way through a situation. It was kind of like he would semi-muddle through and semi-just being like, well, this is Fred's problem. Or... I don't know what to do here. We'll wait till Fred tells me what to do in this situation kind of thing. And so it was both removing conflict from the Rosinante as well as like removing um, uh, guilt or, or um, any kind of weight to their decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I think literally he needed to go. Yeah, I and I agree with that. Yeah. So what else do we have here? Well, we have uh, quotes. We have uh, places. We haven't talked necessarily about all the places, but um, uh, there's nothing. Um, well, we kind of see it, the it's camp- kind of interesting. When you take into account Medina Station, right? How mysterious it was when Holden was there. You oh know, yeah, and yeah. then well, now Medina, now, now, now Medina Station is a behemoth, right? And, yeah. But there's but there's also the object that is like beside Medina Station, where they have rail guns mounted on. Yeah, and that's the station that. Holden was in that was mysterious and they really still don't know it's an alien object. Right. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. But now but but now we have a heavily armed station in the middle of uh middle of this gate complex. Right. And you know, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out in charge of that whole thing because if it's the wrong group of people uh, there's going to be major hell to pay in the future. Oh, yes. So uh, now am I mistaken or was the free Navy in control of that? They were in control of it, but yeah. at the end, they were no longer in control. Uh, there, was right. the, there was the reveal that there were Martians. The Martian Navy was there, a section of it, helping mm-hmm. the free Navy. Right. Well, and that's important because that Martian Navy was taken off by the guy that I can't remember the name for. But the guy that was uh, on right. Mars at the beginning of the last book. Yeah. And that, so that Martian Navy is a remnant of the army that he took through the gate. So, so we'll I, see what happens. I was going to say it was interesting that, to see how Ganymede, not Mars, not the moon, not Earth, was affected by everything. Right. And how they, they were, but they weren't. They were semi self sufficient more than anywhere else. Yeah. That we've encountered. Interesting. Well, very good. Any of the other places or any of their thoughts on any of the other events? Hmm. No. No. So. All right. Well, I have a few quotes here. Yeah, let's hear. Here, we hear my quotes. Totally. Um, I'm going to read one here, um, and then I'm going to follow up with another quote because I think they're related. Um. We're not people, he said. We're the stories that people tell each other about us. Belters are crazy terrorists. Earthers are lazy gluttons. Martians are cogs in the great big machine. Men are fighters, Nomi said, and then her voice was growing bleak. Women are nurturing and sweet, and they stay home with their kids. It's always been like that. We always react to the stories about people, not who they really are. And look where it got us, Holden said. And then later, Holden saying, I thought... I thought if I told you people facts, they'd draw their own conclusions because the facts were true. And the conclusions mostly would be too. But we don't run on facts. We run on stories about things, about people. I think that's a great quote to kind of illustrate at least part of the story here. That brings up something that I didn't think of till now. But uh, I enjoyed that in this book, there was little to no conflict between Naomi and Holden. Was they, it was kind of peaceful. Yeah. Well, not that they fought or anything, but there was no like mystery or, or, or interpersonal dilemma for them to overcome. They just, 
we're supportive of each other through right. the difficult things. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So anyway. yeah, that quote that quote illustrates uh, conditions throughout history today, and probably the way they will always will be. Right. Right. It's easy to shoot at someone if you don't see a face or know know the story. It's right. You just slap a label oh, yeah. on that. Well, so. You bet. In the military, it's always been that way. Yep. When you have two planes in a dogfight, uh, the pilot says, I shot the plane down. Right. He doesn't say, I killed the other pilot. Or right. when you get a battle at sea, I sunk the ship. I didn't, you know, not that, I, not that we killed 1,200 people. Um, we sunk their ship. Right. You know, you, you get, so you, if you, yeah, you get that too. Like even with immigration, like, oh, well, the immigrants are, you know, but you don't, but if you sit down and you get to know these people one-on-one, -on -one, it's a whole different story. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to do harm to someone that you've dehumanized. Well, and that's, and I think that's the point that it, it comes up on numerous levels throughout this story. Mm -hmm. Both we didn't talk about this, but the way know me, the way one of, one of Holden's parents reacts or says something to Naomi that's very hurtful yeah. to Naomi. And they do have to, I mean, we, we didn't have much conflict, but they do have to kind of work through that issue. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even say it to her. He's talking about Belters, and, but not her. But not her. And he doesn't realize. Right. That, doesn't think that, oh, yeah, she's also a Belter. I think how many times we say that stupid stuff oh, yeah. sometimes. You All know, we, the time. Get oh gosh, yeah. You say without, it and then you realize afterward that you were total ass about it. Yeah. You know? I, I speak uh, to myself. This is, you say yada yada yada, but this doesn't apply to you. Right. Right. right? And it's like bull. Yeah, bull. yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm in that group. So, anyways, I thought that that was good. I have a couple other quotes here if I yeah. can share them. This yeah. is another one. Um, do we have a plan? Couple, Jim said. Either are many good. Oh, no, not at all. Just different <laughs> flavors of terrible. <laughs> I thought that was a great quote. Uh, um, history, this is from Michio Pa. History, Michio believed, was a long series of surprises that seemed inevitable in retrospect. So I like the, yeah. iron, the irony in that one. Um, I like this one. Uh, I think Amos is saying this. You use a welding rig to weld things. You use a gun to shoot things. You use a Bobby Draper to F a bunch of bad guys permanently up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this one, this is from Clarissa. And this is an interesting quote because it deals with her being a killer. You know, I have killed, but I'm not a killer because a killer is a monster and monsters aren't afraid. Mm. So, mm. but, oh, uh, let's see. Um, another one, I forget who said this one. I don't have, it. I just wrote the quote down. My life has become a, a single ongoing revelation that I haven't been cynical enough. But. <laughs> <laughs> that Bobby, Bobby Draper quote reminded me, I saw the movie Gemini Man and had a similar quote this weekend where he said, he's like, if you know where the guy is and you know where his factory is, why don't you just send a missile? And the guy says, that's what I'm doing by talking to you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have any quotes. I think but... that's kind of it. Yeah, let's get into our ratings for this. Um, five. 
five for yeah, me I'm too. Just, I'm just I'm just jumping right in. It's five. Yeah. It was it was a great wrap up. First of all, I view this book and book five as being kind of a duology. They're it's yeah. kind of the same story arc. You know, up till now we've had like individual stories that have kind they've tied in, but and certainly like the Mal story, like the Mal's have been a part of it from day one, but they're kind of individual stories. But this is this duology is just beautiful. Yeah. Um it was a beautiful compendium of story and and I liked it. It was it was great. It held my attention. It was a great wrap up, great moments, great characters. I just love it. Jim? I'm also going to give it a five uh, for many of the same reasons that that, uh, Scott said, that it was tying up some knots, yet uh, leaving the door open for new, new ideas to come through. Yeah. um, With, with these characters that we have grown to really enjoy reading about. And uh, I, I am very much looking forward to reading the future books to see where these folks go mm. i'm gonna give it a five as well um my only issue with this book was that i couldn't make enough time to read it because i wanted to pay more attention to it than i had <laughs> that was my issue i was like when i would normally listen to a book or whatever and like semi do something else i was like no 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 wait i don't want to miss a thing in this book i want to yeah. give it my full undivided mm-hmm. attention and so i would i would kind of like put off reading to to make time for it and then it just took forever but um yeah five out of five for me did you catch the uh this is a little bit of a side thing did you catch the reference to the martian in it when they talk about you know, the mark watney out of mars Oh, no. I did. I do remember that. Yeah, I was That's like, funny. oh, see, and they, they threw all sorts of stuff in this book. The Witch <laughs> of Endor was one of them. The Mark Watney, then uh, Inaro's uh, hunting, uh, saying that Holden was his white whale. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of references like that. But, but anyways, yeah, let's move on. What do we got? Uh, is it what the next book we're going to read? Next book we're going to read is Throne of Griff. Grass. Throne yeah. of Glass. <laughs> Throne of Glass. By Sarah Mass. Oh, yes. M double A S. And this is this is a fantasy. It's a fantasy. It's not book. a fantasy sci-fi. It's not a fantasy sci-fi. Is it sci-fi. audible? Is there like audio to it? There is. Oh good. So I'm good. You're I'm, good. I'm, I'm You're good. solid. I'm, I'm solid. solid. I can't pre- I won't pretend to have read it this Jim time. Can get or... it from the library. Right, right. It'll be yeah. good. Yeah, we're good. We'll see. I hope I can. I don't know if it's if they have it or not. It's a it's a pretty popular book, apparently, so it's a okay. Yeah. Well, and so do we. Do we need to listen to music by Blondie while we're reading this? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Clearly, just put the discography on. And, yeah. And just let, it, let it. At the third line's roar, you start the disc, and then you're good. <laughs> ah, there we go. Yeah. Throne so, of glass, heart of glass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the next poll, big decision maker. Oh yeah. We've got. Oh boy. Persepolis Rising, is that how you say it? Persepolis. Persepolis. Persepolis Rising. By James S. A. Corey. Yeah. And if you don't vote for that, you don't vote. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. This is a dictatorship here where uh, you yeah. vote for this or nothing else. We're too far into the series to, to not do the others. <laughs> yeah. So well, exactly. Happening. Yeah. It's so happening. we have this book. Uh, we were, Go ahead. We were, we were too far into the series when we finished the first paragraph of... Uh, 
the very first book of the series. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. It's very true. It is true. <laughs> so, all right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, let us know what you about books. You can easily do that by emailing Orbital Sword. I like Sword. books. I like I, books you like way. books? I do. You better email us. I will. I email you. David, <laughs> I like books. <laughs> at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. That's the number one place to get us. You can hit us up on our voicemail. It's one two six zero five seven seven chat That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. 577 And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theorbitalsword, and Twitter at orbitalsword. Uh, also, you can find all those links and more at orbitalsword.com. Yes, and so, we are on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon. What? Thanks for all those who have signed up and continue to support us. Kind of like the Ricola commercials. <laughs> Ricola. Also, yes. Also, before we get too far gone. Yeah. We're uh, too far gone already. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we've gone round the band. Uh, <laughs> don't forget our Dune Saga podcast, which oh, yeah. has recently been resurrected. Yes. Yeah. Dune Saga podcast. And we. And we promise to have uh, a very special show coming up. Yes. Yeah. I guess, uh, David, you're still arranging that, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out when it'll work out um, with everyone's don't, schedule. Don't, it might have to wait. Don't tell anybody. Christmas. Don't tell anybody. All right. Well, yeah. there's time. There's time. But uh, we would definitely yeah. love to. Uh, so we got, some he- we got some heavy hitters on. on we will point. do another podcast probably coming up here in the next month or so. Yeah. Um, and just giving you some, you know, updates on what's going on in the world of Dune, um, some feedback. But it's been a little bit quiet since they wrapped up filming. There hasn't been a lot of stuff coming out regarding right. it. Right. And and I want to put this out there too. Hey Penn, read Dune, will you, for crying out loud? <laughs> it's true. It's true. So those that's a reference to a podcast that David does. Yep. The Penn Cinema the podcast. The Penn Cinema podcast. So you can, uh, an excellent show. Yeah, excellent <laughs> show. So you got to check that out if you haven't checked that out. <laughs> yeah, Almost as good as this one. Almost. Yeah, almost. I mean, I mean, you don't have some guy riding a sandworm playing a lute. I mean, you can't beat that. No, definitely. So. I don't well, understand why they didn't call you up to be in the movie. I am seriously, Brian Herbert, what were you thinking? Are they just going to CG? They're going to CGI That's right. They'll CGI Jim has to go in for motion cap. Right, right. Yeah. He's yeah. playing yeah. the loot rider and was, the worm. That's why he was riding a bike. So they like uh, put stuff on the bike, and they're going to like put the worm under him instead. I got you. But be see, like, the thing of it is, is David gets to rant about it. Right. And you, you're going to read way into the future and know exactly what's going to happen long before the other, <laughs> the rest how, of us How do I know you're in the movie already? I mean, yeah. come on, I've seen it already. There, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, and David's going to pull out the hurdy-gurdy and we're going to be good to go. Holla. <laughs> hey, girl. I want to, hey, I want you to get that hurdy-gurdy because I want to hear you play Purple Haze on the hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> oh, man. It would sound so bad. Because I, I wouldn't know how to, what I was doing. <laughs> but All right. Well, once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the angel If I fall